I was talking with a, a friend recently who's going through a, a lot of things, and I said, well, I guess it can't get any worse. To which I had to say, well, actually it probably could. Based, I know, not the most comforting words, right? Uh, but no, based on both of our experiences, uh, we were able to say that, uh, yeah, we've each been through a, a lot of things, and I remember sometimes when I've gone through the worst things, and I'm praying, okay, God, just just give me a little bit better. Maybe maybe just one good sign. Could you just give me a little sign that you're still there and you've got this? And then something worse happens. I'm like, all right, thanks, God. Not exactly what I prayed for. And so I guess my friend and I had kind of just saying that, you know what, let's, let's just admit that, um, no, it, it could get worse. Uh, and, and quite frankly, sometimes it, it does. I'm, I'm reminded of this time a year ago, we just had St. Patrick's Day this last week, a great celebration for our parish. And uh, I remember St. Patrick's Day a year ago, COVID was just kind of getting going and there were rumors and I had morning mass, it was a Tuesday, St. Patrick's Day and celebrated the beautiful feast day of St. Patrick. And that was the last public mass that we, we had for a while because that later that day, like, okay, no more public masses. And I remember thinking at the time, well, gosh, I, I sure hope this is only a couple weeks and surely things will be, you know, better for Easter. Whew. Yeah, and then of course we had Easter all alone, me and Father Mark, Michael uh, in the church. And um, it, in short, things got worse, you know, a, a lot worse and worse than we could ever imagine. Who would have thought we would cancel Easter and then that we would have no public masses for so long and all the things we thought, well, surely that can't happen. I mean, cancel the NCAA basketball tournament, that can't happen. I mean, <laughs> no. Yeah, it got worse and worse and worse. And every time we thought, well, it can't get any worse, we learned, well, don't say it can't get worse because it can. And now, of course, we're, we're starting to kind of come out of that, but um, it could get worse. I, I guess to some extent, that's a little bit the, the lesson of our, our readings today, that things could get worse, but in the end, they get better. And in fact, they get really, really better. Look at um, our first reading today. So we, we've got Jeremiah talking about, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Well, that, that sounds like really good news. But before we get to the good news, let's, let's take a moment to reflect on the bad news. Why does God have to make a new covenant? Well, because before that, things got worse. They got worse. They got really, really worse. You know, God made that, that beautiful covenant many times in the Old Testament. Let's think especially of the, the covenant at, at Sinai where he gives them the Ten Commandments and the law. How'd they do with that? Well, <laughs> they made a golden calf and worshiped other gods. They broke that covenant. Over and over, God made a covenant. God made a covenant with David. David, I'm going to be faithful to you if you be faithful to me. Well, David went off and took up with Bathsheba and well, then, you know, his son, Solomon, that should go well, right? The most wise person ever? No, he disobeyed God all throughout history. Just when you think God's chosen people couldn't sin anymore, they, they forsake God. And you know what they, they do after the kingdom split? They, they build more golden calves. After what they learned at Mount Sinai, they're going to build another calf. This time they don't just build one golden calf. They build two golden calves to keep people from going to the temple to worship. 
you just it's like, wow, it can't get any worse than that, can it? Yeah, it gets worse, way worse. They start killing each other off, and pretty soon they have to be exiled. It gets way worse. And it's in that context, when Israel has broken all of God's covenants, and God would have no reason to regard them at all, that Jeremiah comes with these prophetic words. The days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers. Oh, why? Uh, Because they broke my covenant and I had to show myself their master, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will place my law within them, write it upon their hearts. When does God do this? He says, well, after those days, this new covenant. Well, there's only one time in the Old Testament when God says he's going to make a new covenant, and that's here in Jeremiah. The only other time in Scripture where we hear this phrase, new covenant, comes, we hear it every day at Mass, the consecration of the chalice. Jesus, on the night before he died, when he takes the chalice, he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. That's, that's when it gets good again. It took all that time, thousand, no, not quite a thousand years, but centuries. It got really, really bad. But God says, hold on, it's going to get good. And now every time we celebrate the Mass, we say that this chalice is the new and eternal covenant. It got really bad. Then it got good. But notice, even in the context of that, Jesus gives us uh, a little bit of an example of it, it getting bad before it gets good. Our second reading today from Hebrews says that when Jesus was in the flesh, he offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. Reminds us of that first sorrowful mystery, the agony in the garden. And in fact, that's a little bit of the recounting that we have in the gospel today, that Jesus says, I am troubled now. That comes in the spot in the other three Gospels where we have the agony in the garden. Jesus gets so distressed, it gets so bad that he falls to the ground and his sweat becomes his drops of blood. He is in agony. And then he prays from our second reading. It says, he offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. Now that sounds like a good prayer. When things are really, really bad, what do we do? We pray, God, please don't let this get any worse. Just, okay, this, let this be the bottom, okay? Let it get a little bit better. Well, does it? Uh, no, not exactly. Jesus prays that things would get better, and he ends up dead 24 hours later. That does not seem better. And yet, the letter to the Hebrews tells us that he makes these loud cries and prayers, and it says... And he was heard because of his reverence. I would say, um, okay, it doesn't really look that way, God. I mean, he, he prayed, Father, you know, help me, save me. How many times have you and I prayed that prayer? And it says, and he was heard. And yet he was, in a few minutes, arrested, tortured, and killed. If that's being heard by God, I mean, I got a thing or two I'd like to, you know, kind of tell God about exactly what I was asking for, you know, in that prayer. Like, God, I prayed it would get better. 
and it got worse. Well, that seems to be what, what happens to Jesus. He prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, let it get better. Take this cup away from me. Sheds blood. Letter to the Hebrew says he was heard. And God still let him die. It doesn't seem like it got better. It seems like it got worse. Well, in our gospel today, Jesus gives us other examples. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. In other words, it has to get worse. Like all you got is a little grain of wheat? That doesn't seem like very much. Okay, even that, it has to die. That seems terrible. That seems like it got way worse. But then it gets better. If it dies, it bears much fruit. And then lest we overlook all this, Jesus applies it straight to our life. You, you want things to get better? You want, you want better? Okay. You have to lose your life. That doesn't sound better. No, no, hear me. Whoever loves his life will lose it. Okay, if you want it to get better, it's going to get worse. It just doesn't sound like a happy message. But, he says, whoever loses his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Jesus is saying that, all right, it, it's going to get worse. It, it may get worse. It may get way worse. But what's the worst thing you can think of? Well, for us human beings in this life, death, you know, the worst thing that could happen would be that we die. That's really what all the suffering is pointing towards. Why don't we want to suffer here? Why don't we want this little suffering? Why don't we want, don't want this sickness? We don't, we don't want this illness, this death. It all prefigures and points to death. We don't want to die. That's, that's really it. That's the worst thing we can think of. Jesus doesn't try to tiptoe around that. He's like, yeah, you're right. Okay, death, that is the, the worst thing that could possibly happen. So what does Jesus do? Well, he puts his money where his mouth is, so to speak, and shows us. All right, you think death is the worst possible thing, that it can't get any worse. All right, well, there you're right. Death. That is the worst possible thing in this life. Although he'll qualify that to say the worst thing would be to die not in a state of grace. That would be the worst thing. But death is ultimately the worst thing we can think of in life, because death is the opposite of life. So what does Jesus do? He dies. He willingly gives himself up to death. He is the seed that is buried in the ground. He is buried in the tomb. He is the one who prays, Father, save me from this hour, and yet dies. Why? To show us that even death, the worst possible thing we can think of, is not the end. It does actually get better. It may get worse. It often gets worse. It may get so bad. It may get worse and worse and worse until there is death, but that is not the end. That seed that dies bears new fruit. You lay down your life, you save it for eternal life. Jesus dies on the cross and is taken away and it dies the worst possible death people at that time could imagine. It cannot get any worse. There it actually gets better. Eternal life. That's why in these last two weeks of Lent, which have traditionally been called Passion Tide, 
The church focuses intently on the passion, the suffering and death of Jesus to say, as it were, look, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen. God came and we killed him. He died the worst possible death that any human being could ever die. It is the worst bottom, cannot get worse. And then, as if in a, a blink of an eye, on the third day, he rises and things aren't just better. They are perfect. So in these last two weeks, notice that the, the church increases our focus on things getting worse, as it were. We, we were just fasting. Now, in these last two weeks, we even, we even fast from the beautiful images. We cover our statues and, and crosses and fast even with our eyes from the beautiful holy reminders and enter intently into the suffering. Enter into the worse of it. It gets worse in these last two weeks of Lent. But then at the very end, just when we think it's as bad as it can possibly be, it gets better. And not just better, it gets way better. So could it get worse? Yeah. And to some extent, the church tells us over these next two weeks, it's going to get worse. It's going to get way worse. It's going to lead to Good Friday, the worst possible thing ever. But then, three days later, hang on through the, it gets worse. These two weeks in life, everything, all your prayers, they're heard. It may get worse, may lead to death. But we know what comes after that.